Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. Ushers are going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us because it's all from him. It's all for him. And if you're here for the first, second, or third time and you've got that connection card with 90 blanks in it, uh, don't worry about getting that filled out before the basket gets to you or has gotten to you. Uh, we've got an info table on your way out in that big circle room on your left side. Uh, we've got a gift for you. So if you drop that off, we will leave you uh, with something you can drink coffee in tomorrow and eat lots of sugar out of today. Uh, you matter to us and you made this place matter to you, so we want to say thank you very much. So, Thursday night, something happened that has not happened in 635 days. Uh, I was on a date with my wife, which means we had good food. Uh, not that, that has happened way more often than 635 days. Uh, but we had good food, we went for a walk, and then we were at Target because the kids were being watched by somebody else. So we went to Target, and a friend of mine texted me and said, dude, the Browns are actually going to win a football game. They had not won a game in 635 days. We got a picture of what that looked like 635 days, all right? You don't always celebrate like that at football, but when you have not won in 635 days, you go nuts. And so I was starting, I was like, I was thinking about it this week. They are experiencing for the 10 days between when they beat the New York Jets and when they will lose to the Oakland Raiders. Can I get an amen in here? That's right. Lots of people are excited about the Raiders beating the Browns. A lot of stuff has happened. Like, The the people in Cleveland, like, they have an excitement level that they have not had in 635 days. I was thinking about what all has happened in the last 635 days. Last time they won, we did not have this guy as president. It was somebody else. If you think, my goodness, I cannot remember when Trump was not president. That's how long it's been since they've won. What else has happened? Uh, Hurricane Harvey dumped lots and lots of rain on Houston. That was a really sad time. If you think, man, that was so long ago. That's how long it's been since they won. If you look at the kneeling during the anthem thing in the NFL, that happened since the Browns won last. So all these things have happened in the last 600 35 days, the space in between victories, like that's depressing. I think about what I, where was I 635 days ago. Uh, Tim and me, we were still at main campus. Pastor Greg was already here at Sunnyside, but I was a high school pastor 635 days ago. So if you look at this and think, man, I cannot remember when I didn't go to Sunnyside and when you were not the pastor, just be glad you're not a Browns fan today. Because if so, that memory is probably very much in your head of the last time that your team has actually won two games. That's a lot to say, okay? There's, they're excited emotionally. They've been there. They finally won. They beat a team that I think was like 3-13 and 13 a year ago, but congratulations. And, and emotionally, they're totally a different place right now. Their fans, their players, all this stuff. It's totally different. And today we're looking at emotional transformation. We're looking at emotional transformation because in our lives, last week we talked about healing. There are so many things to deal with physical issues in our lives, and there's not as much to deal with emotional. Uh, I asked for some help on this one because my repertoire of this type of thing includes a loofah and body wash and shaving cream, which I also use as shampoo, which is very convenient. I asked some of the girls, can you bring in some of the things in your life that deal with like how to take care of of your physical body. And so they gave me all of this. Like there wasn't even a hesitation, I need to go load up. It's like this is what I have right on hand. Boom. This is everything that we have to deal with our physical bodies and to take care of our physical bodies. I know what none of this stuff is. Get everything on that picture. It is like something that I have no clue about. 
And when it comes to our emotions, so often what we're dealing with is having no clue about how to deal with that part of our lives. And that's one area with everything else that Jesus wants to bring transformation. These past few weeks, in the few weeks uh, between now and like uh, sometime in October, we're going to be looking at seven areas of our lives where Jesus wants to bring transformation. Last week we talked about our physical lives where Jesus wants to bring physical healing. Like we can do things to take care of our bodies. And when people started doing that 200 years ago and started really uh, chasing after physical hygiene, diseases stopped and people stopped dying of weird things. Like now, as we look at emotions, Jesus has healing that he wants to bring into our lives. He wants to put new tools into our lives, kind of like this, but things that deal straight up with our emotions so that we can live the emotional lives that God created, created us to and that Jesus bought for us on the cross. So where we're going to be today is Romans 12. We're going to plant here for a little bit and then jump around a whole lot. Uh, but it's a guy named Paul who we'd like to pick on in this series because he 100% understood transformation. He hated Christians until the day he became one. So he looks at previous life, current life, totally different than a lot of other people do. Like for him, there was definitely a moment where he started following Jesus, and that changed everything for him. And the works of Jesus, the things that Jesus did in his life, how those affect his life and affect our life today. So we're going to be in Romans 12, uh, just verses 1 and 2. And he says this, he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. I'm going to start it, stop it right there. Because that sentence, it starts out as you just need to do this. But when he ends it, he says, I ask you to do this because of all that Jesus has done for you. Okay, by this he's talking about the cross. He's talking about the atonement. He's talking about how people like us were made right with God. Not because God saw us and said, I'm picking that person for my team. But because Jesus came came to die for us. He saw us as being far away from God because of our sins, because of the things that we had done to separate ourselves from God. Jesus came in human form. He died a death that he did not deserve, that we one million percent deserved. He died it on our behalf and for relationship with us. And so when Paul talks about, hey, you need to do all of these things, he's talking about those in light of the fact that Jesus has already done everything necessary to bring us into relationship with God. And so when we talk about emotional transformation day, this is not a self-help sermon. This is us stepping into everything that Jesus has done for us. Everything that we're going to talk about, Jesus has done for us. This is our inheritance as sons and daughters of the king that we get to step into. That we say, okay, God, I'm claiming this. I'm asking for you to put this into my life. One of the things is forgiveness, for example. Jesus gives us such a perfect picture of forgiveness. And none of us can say, well, you know what? God just didn't make me forgiving. No, no, no. God has shown us forgiveness. And God is going to work forgiveness into our lives and through our lives to be poured out onto other people and for us to walk in peace. Not because we deserve it, but because he's saying, I'm in charge of you now. And I'm going to lead you in what it means to follow me. So we got five keys for emotional transformation. And all these are first person. So as we read them, it's everything is about me. So as you're reading this in your own voice, it's about you. It's about us. Because until we start taking the things that we see here and the things that we're reading here and applying them to us for transformation to happen, this is just a really cool concert with good childcare. 
<laughs> Let's be honest. But, but when we take what happens in church and bring it home with us Sunday afternoon through Sunday morning and let this make a difference in our lives because of what Jesus has done for us and what he's leading us in now, that's where we see the transformation happen. So five keys for all of us. The first key for emotional transformation is we reveal my pain. I reveal my pain. So how does this change the way that I think? Because that verse in Romans, it goes on. It says, because of everything that Jesus has done for you, let's live in this way. It says, this is, the truly, this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this idea of revealing my pain, it changes the way that we think. Because so often we think that if we just push stuff down far enough, eventually it's going to go away. Eventually our pain is going to go away. And when we're angry, when we're hurt, when we're upset, when we're worried, when we're frustrated, if we just don't act on it, don't talk about it, just pretend that it's not there, we think that it's going to go away. Okay, the Bible has one great clear message about bringing stuff to the surface that's going on inside of us. Is that God hears at that moment and God acts in that moment. There's a guy named John who spent three years walking around with Jesus. And then after Jesus went back to heaven, John wrote down a bunch of letters about things that Jesus had said and how to live like Jesus would in his city and in his day. And one of the things that he says is when we can, if we pretend that we have no sin, if we pretend that there's no pain in us, then we're liars. We're liars, we can't do this, but if we confess what's going on, if we confess our sin, Jesus is faithful and he's just to forgive us and cleanse us of everything. So we bring that to our emotions. We say, okay, God, when I'm angry, when I'm stressed, when I'm worried, when I'm frustrated, when I'm happy, if I reveal what's going on, that gives God a chance to work. It gives God a chance to work. And there are healthy ways to do this. There are totally unhealthy ways to do this. I'm looking at you, Facebook. But if we take all of our feelings and just put them all out on Facebook to get attention, that's not healthy. How do we reveal our pain in a way that's helpful? First thing, and this is weird until you do it and you find out that it actually works because I've done this. You tell yourself, right? I know that if I'm going to get frustrated in my day, it's typically going to happen between like 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. Like that's my frustrated zone. So when I... Like, I've started doing this because this has not been good for a while. Um, like, I come home and I, you know, like, you get in that zone sometimes where you're like, this is toxic, danger. And I said, okay, I'm a jerk right now. I need to not be a jerk right now. Jesus, help me be a not jerk right now. Just, just help me smooth this out. And it's like my reminder to myself. It's a yellow card for myself. Okay, let's slow this down. Let's not use those words. Let's be nice. Don't use that pain. Don't use the, that tone. Don't use those words. We reveal our pain to ourselves, which helps us change our mind. It helps us put our mind on the fact that we need Jesus to help us out of our own situation, help us out emotionally, which leads to the second thing. We tell ourselves, we also tell God. Okay, prayer is, is simply our communication with God. It's the, love, it's the conversational part of our love relationship with God. And it's also the end of our best and the beginning of God's best. So when I'm in that frustration zone, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., and I say, okay, God, I need you to work in me right now because I'm sliding into jerk mode. I'm sliding into this. I want you to take this away. What's God going to say? Ken, you messed up again. Seriously, we were here yesterday. How about you never do that again? No, he's going to say, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be strong where you're weak. So we tell God. 
We've told ourselves, we tell God, but we also tell one other person. For me, a lot of the times, the, pre- the people in my life who hear this are my Friday morning shape group. It's a group of us that meets on Friday mornings at the Starbucks at Clovis in Inyo. We start at 6, we end at 6.45 because everybody's got to go to work at that point. And that's where we feel like hear each other's stuff. So often my group, they, they're praying for me that I'm not going to be a jerk in some new area. Like That's what my prayer request basically comes down to is I know that Jesus has done good things for me. I want to live it out in a way that isn't going to make me a jerk. So I've got my group of people that I talk to. Not Facebook. I've got my small group of people that I'm honest with and I'm open with. And like, man, this is an area of my life where I am a jerk. And I reveal my pain. I was reading some stuff, watching some stuff, talking about this this week, uh, and there's an older pastor who really likes rhyming phrases. Okay, I'm more into alliteration because I think rhyming stuff is corny, uh, but something that he said was really, really effective, but I won't say because it rhymes. Uh, His thing is revealing your feelings is the beginning to healing. That's totally corny and everything, but it, it works. And so I won't stand up here and say that revealing your feelings is the beginning to healing, But, you know, it makes sense. Revealing your feelings is the beginning to healing. You just can't quote me on that because I don't do rhyming things. I do alliterations. So, revealing your feelings is the beginning to healing, said somebody else. Number two, release and forgive those who hurt me. I release and forgive those who have hurt me. How does this change the way that I think? Easy, okay, because all of us have an emotional tank. Some of us have an emotional tank. Some of us have an emotional tank. But if we spend most of that tank trying to get even with or catch back up to or hurt like they hurt us, other people, we're going to spend all of our emotional energy on unforgiveness and living with vengeance and anger, and we're not going to be healthy in other areas of our life. Jesus wrote the book on forgiveness. Jesus is the perfect picture of forgiveness. That we, while we were sinners, while we were far from God, Jesus came on a mission of forgiveness and reconciliation. And for us as his followers, for us who know that we've been forgiven much, it's our joy to walk into that, to step into our inheritance as men and women, as sons and daughters who forgive as we've been forgiven. And it's easy to say that, and it's a lot harder sometimes to live it out. We live in a world where hurt people hurt people, and our lives, our personalities, our emotional tanks bear the scars of that way more often than we would like to admit sometimes. And this week I was reminded in a good way, in a positive way, something that we can take home, of what this is like when we walk around carrying our hurt with us. There's a really good barbecue place uh, on Clovis Avenue between Clinton and Shields. It's called Ma and Pa. I go there often. It's great. And part of the reason why I go there often is because I like to see one of the pictures on the wall, which is me. I've got my picture on the wall of that place. Uh, A lot of times when you go to barbecue joints, uh, there's there's like a challenge. If you can eat this much stuff in this little time, you get a free meal and you get a picture on your wall. So I got my picture on that wall. The way that they do it is you pick whatever meat you want. You pick one soda or water or milk or whatever you want and you've got 15 minutes to eat your favorite choice meat drink whatever soda or water or whatever you want covered in their absolute hottest hot sauce so I took one of my students there this is like four years ago he's a big burly dude like he outweighed me I think when he was in fifth grade uh he works, in, he works in cement right now. Like, he is a big dude. And so he and I decided we're going to get a free meal. We're going to get our faces on the wall. Let's do this. So we both took the nuclear challenge. And he was done in about two minutes. All right, big dude. And when you eat spicy stuff, what happens to you? You start crying. 
right? As a guy, like, we don't like to cry. That's just not us whatsoever. Um, and so two minutes in, this dude starts crying. He's like, I'm done. And so he wipes his face off. He goes and he buys another drink. Uh, he already finished the first one about three seconds in, uh, and he starts to feel better. This guy was determined to finish it. So I've got 15 minutes. The faster I eat it, the faster the pain is going to be over. And so for seven minutes, I'm just chowing down as fast as I can. And I am bawling the entire time because of what it was doing to my insides. All right? So my friend is long since done. He's cleaned up. He's on to a new life. He's no longer crying. And you can see in the picture, like my eyes are still red because I'm still emotionally carrying the scars of the nuclear challenge. I had an opportunity to quit quit eating the pain. I knew what was making me crazy. I knew what was hurting. I knew what was bringing the tears. And I said, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to get even. I'm going to win this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my face on the wall. I'm not going to let 15 minutes or the nuclear challenge or Corey make me look bad. I'm going to get right. And where forgiveness works in us is that we take those things that are dragging us down, those things that are making us cry, the things that are making us crazy, and instead of saying, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. You've taught me to forgive. You've empowered me to forgive because on the gospel, you took all my, or on the cross, you took all of my sickness, all my disease, all the things, the good things that I can't do, and you swapped them out with your ability to do more than I could ever ask or imagine. With that, I'm going to step into forgiveness. I'm no longer going to hold on to my old regrets, my old life, my old vindictives against other people. And that's the moment where we find emotional transformation, where we stop trying to keep up, we stop trying to keep score. Paul, the transformation guy, he writes this about our situation with God, specifically around forgiveness. In Romans 5.8, he starts off, he says, when we were utterly helpless, we were a million percent helpless before God, but we were also offensive. We were also selfish. We were helpless, offensive, selfish, narcissistic, unforgiving, didn't care about other people, all these things. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for you and for me by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, why do we forgive? Why are we called to forgive? We forgive because God forgave us. There's a moment where for all of us where when we take the step, when we make the decision, I'm no longer living for myself. I'm gonna ask Jesus into my life. I'm gonna become a Christian where we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sin and Jesus says, done all of it right away, gone. You're forgiven. We forgive because God forgave us. We also forgive because tomorrow when you did that thing today that you said you were gonna never ever do again, tomorrow we do it again, Jesus forgives us again. His mercy is new for us every day. His forgiveness is new for us every day. And so we forgive because God continuously chases after us with forgiveness. And we also forgive because God knows that that's the way to stay emotionally healthy. He's the one who teaches us how to forgive and empowers us to forgive. And so as we're pressed with opportunities to forgive, which is a really really nice way of saying you've got to forgive somebody because they're causing you pain, We step into what Jesus has done for us. We step into who God's power is released in us to forgive. And number three, we we replace old lies with God's truth about me. 
We replace old lies with God's truth about me. How does this change the way I think? This changes the way I think because unless we are exceptionally disciplined and super focused on following Jesus, typically we become Christians, we grow up, and we add God onto our life, kind of like an extra topping at Cold Stone. Okay, we've got us, we've got what makes us us, the good stuff and the bad stuff, and then we just kind of put a Bible verse on top of it like a cherry and said, boom, that's me. But in reality, what God's saying is, I want everything, that, that image that we, of the verse that we read at the beginning, of a living sacrifice. Sacrifices no longer have rights. They no longer have their own ideas. They're there to serve a purpose before God. That's us. So when we replace old lies with God's truth about me, we're taking off and taking away and sending out everything that we believed about ourselves where God looks at it and says, you know what, that's not 100% right. That's not who I created you to be. That's not the, the guilt and shame that I died for for you to find. Th- that's not it. I've got something new for you. I've got new truth about you instead of your old lies. Uh, in our bathroom, uh, in, in our bedroom with Anna and me, there was a light that was out uh, for a couple days or maybe a month, uh, and it was kind of in its own room, so if the door wasn't open, it was pitch black in there, and after a month, Anna patiently asked me, can you please fix this thing, because seriously, it's been out for a month, uh, and so I got one of the new LED lights at Lowe's, because there was lots of stuff wrong with the, with the old one, so I, I put it in, and it worked perfectly, I'm like, dang, this is nice, and this was easy, so I went on Amazon and bought like a multi-pack of the LED lights, and all of a sudden, everything in our house is getting changed, and I could what I could do is I could have taken like the old early 2000s, 1990, gold, huge, ugly as heck, light fixtures and just kind of tied the new ones on top of it and like put all the wires together to make it still work and still have the old ugly light fixtures there. But the first thing that I did when I changed each light fixture was I turned off the breaker because I really want to go to the Live the Mission banquet on October 5th and I don't want to be in the ground by then because I grabbed onto two live wires. I turned off the breaker. The second thing is you take out the old light. You take out the thing that's ugly. You put in the new one. For God to take over our life, to bring transformation, that means that we have to get rid of some old patterns of thinking. We have to get rid of the things that we've said about ourselves or to ourselves that I will never insert thing here. I'm just not the type of person who can blah, blah, blah. You don't understand that life isn't me. I'm not disciplined like that. I'm not holy like that. Somebody could do that, but they probably don't have my past. No, no, no. The message that we've been preaching and will continue to preach about transformation is that when Jesus takes over, we're new people. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Jesus has become a new person. Our old life is gone. A new life has come. A new life has begun. That's exciting stuff. We look at this, we bring this into the picture of of emotional transformation. And we can say in this with everything else, that even changing the way I think about myself, the correcting the curses that I've placed over myself and, and canceling them, that's no problem for my king. That's no problem for my king because what Jesus came to do wasn't just to add one more thing to our life, but to change our life and to lead us into a new identity because of his love for us. Which leads to number four. We replace our old lives with God's truth and then we refocus on my future. Refocus on my future. How does this change the way that I think? Because it's forcing us to get our eyes off of our past and off of who we have described ourselves and getting our eyes on our future. 
here at Sunnyside, we have, uh, have a thing called a shape journal, and, and it's also at main campus. Uh, this is something that we do together as a church uh, where we read a few chapters of the Bible each day, and then we journal about how it impacts us and how stuff that was written thousands of years ago knows exactly about what's going on in our life today because that's how God created the Bible, to live and to always be speaking into our life. Uh, that's something that we need to be reminded of daily. It's kind of like food. So this is our shape journal starter kit. It's five passages that are all short that remind us who we are to Jesus and who Jesus created us to be. And just like food, we need to be fed a whole lot more often than 20 to 30 minutes on a Sunday, okay? Right? How many of you ate since you were here last? I would agree that it's probably all of us. With our spiritual lives with Jesus, it needs to be the same thing. We need to be fed often. It's not fair for us as a church, not fair for me as a preacher to be expected to feed all of us all the time, all, every day. What God doesn't say is he gives us a book that he wrote to tell us who we are, to remind us of who we are every single day. These are going to be at the info table as you walk out. You can pick it up. Uh, and it's going to be a starter kit on you stepping into the identity that Jesus has for you to refocus your future, not on who we have cursed ourselves to be, but in who Jesus declares that we are through the book that God wrote. And the last thing is we reach out and we help others. We refocus on our future and we reach out and help others. How does this change the way I think? Because no longer are our lives all about us making it all about us. It's about us taking where Jesus has brought us, taking the things that he's pushed us through, that he's pulled us through, the new identity and the new behaviors that he's placed in us. And saying, man, this is how you can now turn around and help other people who need to hear the message of what I've done in you. Here at Sunnyside in our church family, we've got a couple of guys who that's taken over their lives. One of them works with veterans. And that's a place where there's a lot of emotional healing that needs to happen. And so he's like, that's my life now. I'm helping veterans. Another guy is a first responder and, and has been for years. And, and that's difficult because your every day is somebody else's worst day of their life. And so he's helping people process, bring people to Jesus in the midst of dealing with day after day after day of emotional pain and trauma. And that's a picture of what Jesus does in us. Is we find freedom, we find new life, we find the effects of the gospel brought into us that Jesus takes our old life, gives us a new life and empowers us to do that in a totally new way. And it's not just supposed to stop with us. It's something that we're supposed to turn around and let God use us to change the lives of those around us. And that's how we, that's how we nail it on emotional health is we're reaching out to help others around us. We've revealed our pain, we've released and forgiven, we've replaced old lies, we've refocused our future by letting God determine who we are through his book, and now we're reaching out to help others. Man, this is our job as Christians, and it's also what God empowers us for, because with emotional health, with everything else, it's no problem for our king. Our king who loves us, our king who empowers us, our king who saves us, and our king who sets us out to change lives just like Jesus has changed ours. Let's stand and pray. God, I thank you that you're here today. I thank you that you came for the purpose of forgiving sin. You came for the purpose of reconciling broken people to yourself. And Father, I pray that we're going to be people who live in that victory. That as we've been forgiven, as if you have taken away our old life and given us a new life, 
Lord, that we're going to live in the glory and the freedom from that, in the freedom of that, Jesus. Thank you that the old is gone and the new has come and that you were honest when you said all that. 